Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Tennis Weekly with Joel, Kim and Chris. On today's Tour Catch-Up, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. Katie Balter wins her first tour title in Nottingham. Andy Murray makes it back-to-back challenger titles. And Francis Tiafo enters the top 10 for the first time. Kim, today is the 19th of June and we are here to catch up on the week in tennis at Tennis Weekly HQ. The grass court season has well and truly arrived. Move over clay and it's been a very, well, for the Brits, it's been a fantastic start, hasn't it? Wimbledon is obviously just around the corner, but we've already had some great success. The British ladies have been all over Nottingham. Katie Balter winning there. Andy Murray is doing what Andy Murray does at the moment on the Challenger circuit. And Francis Tiafo into the top 10 for the first time. So even though Wimbledon is, is on the horizon, we have got lots and lots of tennis still to talk about. Yeah, lots of movers and shakers. And the UK is also like pretty much the place to be when it comes to grass courts. I know there are tournaments elsewhere, but we we do have the, I would say the pinnacle of the grass court season. I will say though, where is not the place to be is my room. My room, it is is very hot, it is very sweaty at the moment. And uh, I need to invest, I think, in a proper fan whilst I record because yeah, (laughs) I'm just like, I'm a hot mess at the moment. You're in a Finnish sauna just without the, the wood <laughs> and like the water exactly. to top it up. <laughs> well, Chris is enjoying himself as well uh, in mm. the heat. Uh, but yeah, he's not with us today. He's not actually in Denmark either. He's in Mallorca. Um, he's gone to visit Rafa, I think, <laughs> at his academy. Uh, <laughs> Have no, you he- told him to do that? No, but I mean, I feel I feel like he should visit while he's there. Um, he's actually just sent us a, a nice photo of him on a rooftop having, I think, a Hugo uh, as inspired by my visit earlier this year. So <laughs> I think, you know, um, yeah, kudos to, to Chris for, for seeking out the Hugos. Kim, all I will tell you, and I'll tell Chris as well, you do not, I I do not need to go to Mallorca to experience the warm weather climate of Mallorca. My room is, it is bubbling. It is boiling at the moment. <laughs> oh, someone send Joel a fan or a bucket of water <laughs> or something. I hope you manage to cool down soon. Yeah. Um, but what's, yeah, we'll, we'll get on to the tennis uh, shortly. What's been your highlight off the court this week though, Joel? Has there been something to mm. to keep you in, in the mood, uh, shall we say? Well, it's been something that has, that took me by surprise. It was Roger Federer returning to London. Um, was he at Wimbledon? No. Was he at Queen's? No. 
He was in Abbey Wood. Um, he was part of a n- initiative um, helping redevelop tennis courts. And he was in Boston Gardens um, as part of kind of a refurbishment um, courtesy of the, the LTA. And uh, yeah, saw him, saw him, some pictures of him on social media down hitting with the locals. And uh, I just, Kim, I, I just love this idea of, of just like kind of walking down a park, Park Lane. And then I looked to the right and there are some tennis courts and well, just casually one of the greatest of all time is just, you know, hitting up on it. Why didn't we get the memo? I could have got the train <laughs> to Abbey Wood. Isn't that on the Elizabeth line these days? Yeah. On, yeah. I, I didn't set up the podcast just to get, you know, uh, accreditation to all the major events. I need to get it for, for Abbey Wood for Roger Federer's, uh, Roger Federer's return to the UK. Do you think he took the Elizabeth line to get there? Oh. Oh, but he was more excited about well, that. Well, I feel like that's more <laughs> east. That's more east to west, is it not? And I think these were in South London. So I'm not sure if the... No, it goes to Abbey Wood, yeah. This is on the Elizabeth line, yeah, I think. Listeners, tell me if I'm wrong. Any any tube and, and well, London transport be, enthusiasts? It would be rude not to. And uh, yeah, well, I think we're on the Roger Federer roadshow at the moment because I think he's going to be in Halle this week. It's their 30th anniversary celebration. So I think he's obviously going to be a big part of that. But yeah, nice to see him kind of getting up and about. I think there are some rumours he's also going to be present at Wimbledon. Not sure in what capacity, probably not as a tennis player, but um, I would love to hear him on uh, hear him on commentary. Will he be handing Djokovic his eighth Wimbledon Ooh. title? Ooh, do you think he would do that? Do you think he would do that? No, I think he'd sit in the royal box, maybe, mm. if he wanted to see his record equaled. Um, like a Bjorn Borg watching Rafael Nadal and Roger Federer in that, that Wimbledon back in, what was it, in like 2009 when there was all those, the, that record on the line. And, and 2008, I, yeah. Was it 2008? Yeah. Oh, 2009 was the Andy Roddick Federer. Um, oh, of course, yeah, yes, 2008. The 15 jacket mm. coming out. Um, well, my highlight of the week, um, Roger Federer aside, which is very exciting, um, well, you know, my highlight is the fact that Iga Shvontek went to the Rafa Nadal Academy. So it's not just Chris in Mallorca. Iga Shvontek <laughs> was out there as well. Um, she was giving a nice speech to all the graduates of the academy, uh, motivating and inspiring them. Uh, and she quoted from the quote that you see on, on Philippe Chatrier at Roland Garros, the victory belongs to the most tenacious. Um, so she was using her recent success as inspiration for giving all the students um, you know, some good words of encouragement as they go on their way in the world. So I thought that was really nice that she was the one asked to do the keynote speech um, and obviously embodies the values of the Rafa Nadal Academy. Um, so maybe Chris will give it a visit um, as Eager's just... Uh, he missed graduation. He missed he the missed graduation. graduation. Yeah. Well, they asked him to be the keynote speaker. He wasn't <laughs> around. He was drinking Hugo's instead. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and also, though, Joel, a special mention does go to Casper Rude um, because he's been enjoying his, uh, himself post Roland Garros um, <laughs> by, um, well, I think he's been playing golf. Yeah. I he's, think. Been the, yeah. he's been on the golf course. Kim, you know, he lo- you know he loves his grass court tennis. So, you know, what, what better way to celebrate? I mean, he withdrew from Haller. It doesn't look like he's going to play any tournaments before Wimbledon, and uh, yeah, he put some photos up of him on on the gra- on on the grass of a golf course, perhaps uh, perhaps at home. So uh, I, I was just thinking to myself when I saw that he's got different he's got different goals in mind. I think coming up, and it's definitely those two fifties on the clay straight after Wimbledon that he wants to he wants to mop up. That's his own grand slam. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's his that's his next grand slam. Or is he doing like a move out of the Djokovic playbook where he's not going to play anything oh, yes. in advance of a slam? Yes. Maybe he's like learning mm. from the, you know, the top guys. Who knows? We'll see. 
Kim, we'll get onto it, but I genuinely think looking at how the top 10 who have been on tour over the last week have performed, we could be in for a lot of shocks and surprises, I think, when it comes to Wimbledon. I think seeding is going to go completely out the form book given we've got players who might not even play any any tournaments that aren't Novak Djokovic, uh, you know, before Wimbledon. But other players like Stefanos Sissipas not having a great time. Daniel Medvedev not having a great time. Yannick Sinner not having a great time. I genuinely feel like this top 10, it is there for the taking, I think, when it comes to Wimbledon from round one. I I agree. We've seen some, like, hectic results. But it is the first week and first tournament on Mm. the grass for a lot of them. So I expect in a couple of weeks they might you know, feel a bit more comfortable, but it's, it's still not great, you know, uh, based on early days for some of the top 10. Uh, but let's take a look at the results from the last week. And we're actually going to begin with the WTA, where this is quite a rarity, but we can say we had a British WTA title winner also at home uh, in Nottingham. We had Katie Balter winning her first ever WTA title uh, and doing so uh, she beat a fellow Brit in the final so we had an all British final on the WTA tour for the first time since 1977 which is just incredible 46 years it's taken for this to happen and in the end not the final long, not too long yeah just not as long a wait <laughs> as what was it when Andy Murray had to wait for the male mm. uh, Grand Slam <laughs> champion 77 years yeah 46 is we've nothing been, compared to we've that we've been waiting 46 years for this <laughs> It wasn't the best of finals, I have to say. 6-3, Balter definitely the better player on the day over Jodie Burridge. Um, But I think it was just a great celebration of British women's tennis. The fact we had three out of four of the semi-finalists being British. um, And then obviously an all-British final and a British champion. And a British tournament director with Laura Robson's first tournament. So, And obviously Andy Murray winning the challenger. So it was, um, yeah, all round very good for the British players, wasn't it, Joel? Yeah, I think it was a celebration, but I also think it was a a response as well, because there's been so much criticism of late of particularly of the British ladies in the singles, you know, not one of them coming through qualifying and being in the main draw at the French Open. And it just shows, I think, when they do have those home comforts in these home tournaments, they can make the most of those conditions. And Katie Bolter is one of those players who you can see, I think she has a big game. It's very well suited to grass. And arguably yes she was given a very kind of kind draw all the way through to the final I don't think she faced a seeded player but she certainly made the most of it and as ladies British number one she certainly lived up to it and I think just kind of showed people that you know what I feel like I've known for quite a while is to me she is if she can put it together and has that consistency to me without kind of Raducanu in the question she to me is the the biggest prospect on the from the women anyway from the British side yeah she's now up to a career high ranking of 77 as well as a result which is great um you know well into the top 100 she said that she obviously wants to be top 50 and higher so this is a really Mm. good step now on that journey where she can hopefully use that boost to her ranking as a result of the points she's picked up here to do that and she's definitely proved that she's a British number one because she beat I think four British players to to win this title so Appleton, Dart, uh, Heather Watson, Jodie Burridge so obviously cementing her status uh, and just proving yeah we know she's got like the shot making that she's performed well on on occasion in the past has had some big wins you know on the likes of Centre Court, for example, at Wimbledon over top players. It's just, again, we've said this before, but finding that consistency and like, hopefully this is a good stepping stone. And, you know, it's a big tick, isn't it? In the box, WCA title victory. 
Absolutely. And she is a she is a big game player. We've seen that at, at Wimbledon in the past and she's going to be unseeded there and she's going to be a very awkward opponent for, for anyone who faces her, I think, in, in round one. I do wonder though, does it exacerbate this kind of perception that Brits can only play well at home? And yes, you need to make hay in these moments and it's great these players are going to get the ranking points that is going to put their ranking up and get them into certain tournaments because that was actually a bugbear of, of Heather Watson. You know, she had a career best performance at Wimbledon last year, didn't get any ranking points for it. And it really did kind of halt her progress and development in terms of the tournaments that she could enter over the last last year. And um, again, she she showed that she, you know, can mix it on the grass and got got to the semis. But I don't know about you, but does does it does it suggest that this is great, but the real test will be when it's like outside of tennis in, in Britain on the tours. That's where I want to see real gains being made. I agree. And I think today we've seen at Queen's like Ryan Penniston win on the, the men's mm. side. And he had a good Queen's last year, reaching the quarterfinals. And he's upset and bare today in straight sets. But, you know, it, it's almost like, yeah, you can't just turn up for a couple of, you know, weeks this part a of year the season. at home in front of mm. your fans. You, you know, are you able to do this, you know, in the middle of nowhere in a cold, you know, October afternoon in, I don't know, Uzbekistan and, yeah. and perform and get those ranking points and wins and titles. That's where, you know, you really kind of prove yourself. And I do think there is a question mark over whether, yeah, we can kind of translate that for the British players globally and at all times of the year. Yeah, there will definitely, I think, be always be that that question mark. And I think I think a challenge to a lot of these players is that, yes, it provides it provides a great platform, I think, for the second half of the season but certainly you just you just wonder kind of you don't want to get pigeonholed into that player who's only known for you know two months at a time and I would argue arguably say Ryan Penniston maybe is in that position you know at, at, at the moment yes he, he's great on his day on, on a grass court but I want to see more of him um, even if it's not necessarily on the ATP tour see him on the challenger tour put himself out there in more unfamiliar environments because that I think is where for me there's still big opportunities and big gains to be made on on the women's side but also on the men's side and what do you think Joel of Andy Murray um trying to gain those ranking mm. points in advance of Wimbledon you know he's won back-to-back challenger titles now won Nottingham very, pretty comfortably beating Arthur Cazzo in the final 6-4-6-4 Cazzo actually I think he said that it was his first pro tournament on grass so he did well to come all the way through uh, to the final a qualifier as well I think yeah so I've, he's perhaps one to to watch in the future but yeah, how how much confidence do you have for, for France male number one? Is that <laughs> yeah, yeah? Five years down the line on the yeah. podcast, we'll be announcing Cazo as the French number one. <laughs> but how do you rate you know Andy's performance at Nottingham? You know, you saw him a lot at Surbiton. What did you make of his week in Nottingham? Yeah, I mean, another fantastic achievement, another title, back to back titles. Winning matches is always going to breed confidence, and I think from that perspective. Uh, it, it's great to see these. There is a part of me that's you know looks at the the opposition that he he has faced over the last couple of weeks. I think the the average ranking was around 130, and you put those matches on paper and you think, yeah, he should he should be beating these people and he should be doing this handsomely without dropping a set. So I think he's kind of passed that that acid test. And you know he had that match against Jordan Thompson in in uh, in, in Surbiton, and I would say that was probably. Him and, and Kubler probably the, were the trickiest opponents that he has faced. But 
I just do wonder whether what what purpose are these matches serving him? Because a win against a player who's never played on grass before going into Queens and Wimbledon, I, I still think to me there's a little bit of worry and uncertainty there and and I think the true acid test will be now now that we've got to the you know the ATP rolling into to London at Queens now I think we're going to really know where his level is at yeah it's the real test isn't it he's up against Alex de Menor in mm. the first round of Queens so we will see how that translates to the ATP tour um special mention for Kai Nishikori as well because he also won a challenger title last week um and this was out at the Caribbean Open uh yeah. He is unranked, I think, at the moment and is the first, I think, unranked player to ever win a challenger, which is <laughs> amazing. And also great that he's back and making his way up, hopefully, as well. Unbelievable performance from him from that week. I liked the little message between Nishikuri and Andy Murray. I think Nishikuri said on social media to Murray that he's uh, an inspiration. An inspiration, certainly, I think, on the, on the challenger circuit. But uh, yeah, very, very fine performance throughout the week from Nishikuri. I was a little bit surprised, actually. You don't normally see someone come back to a, a tournament, their first tournament back, and, and do so well. Uh, you know, talk about Berrettini in, in, in a second in Stuttgart didn't go that way for him Nick Kyrgios as, as well but um, for Nishikuri it's, it was fantastic just to see him back and I, Kim what I like is as you said unranked he has now moved into the top 500 so that is an incredible jump in terms of like the sheer number of people he's just leapfrogged um, you know with, with ranking points in the locker but it does remind me of when Kim Kleisters won the US Open unranked so a grand slam winning that unranked it just puts i think that achievement into perspective with what nishikuri has done it's just making me think could you go from being unranked to like world number one (laughs) (laughs) in the space of one grand slam i don't i don't know it Um, is very like (laughs) fa cup sort of rags to riches if it wasn't someone you know with the prowess i think of okay nishikuri because we know how we know he's such a fantastic player. We've we've seen his pedigree, particularly on on hard courts. I always remember you know, his match against uh, against Murray at the U.S. Open. But um, yeah, fantastic to see him, and hopefully, yeah, he can go on maybe a little little one of his own kind of Murray runs, maybe on the Challenger circuit, and uh, build his way back up to the ATP tour. Yeah, we expect that to be if he continues to play, you know, well and winning challengers. Like I expect his rise. We need a Nishikuri Murray quick. Challenger final now, don't we? <laughs> it's got to happen. It's got to happen. Um, well, maybe if Murray's get, does get his ranking high enough, he won't need the challenge yeah. at all to uh, to frequent so much. Yeah, but um, back to the ATP tour. Let's go to Hertog and Bosch out in the Netherlands, the Labema Open, which was a 250 last week. And that got off to uh, a lovely start and, and well, finish for, for local fans with Talon Griegspoor taking home uh, a title at home for, for the Netherlands, for the Dutch fans. He came through Jordan Thompson in the final from a set down. Uh, it was 6-7, six, 7-6, seven, seven, six, six, to win at home. Um, this is their mm. second home winner in a row because it was Tim, Tim Van, Van Rijthoven last mm. year. So yeah, really unpredictable, but really great for the home fans. And he definitely capitalised on some of those top seeds going out early, like Daniel Medvedev, Yannick Sinner. Uh, they they didn't have great weeks, but Talon Griegsball did. I think he's had a very good 2023. I think this is his second tour title this year. And just, yeah, a very nice moment, I think, for the, for the home fans because... 
we had Tim Van Rijthoven win last year, Griechspool win this year. So yeah, it gives them something to, to cheer about. But as you said, just looking at the draw and how it unfolded, to me, I'll remember this tournament more for the failures, I think, of, of those top players and how, well, you know, Daniel Medvedev losing to, uh, you know, Adrian Manorino in, in his first match in, in three sets. Very, very surprising there. Medvedev seems to have gone off the boil since, you know, Rome. We were all touting him as, you know, here's Clay Vedev coming for the French Open. But it's gone it's gone south quite quickly, I feel, for, for him. So, you know, he will want to get back on the right path with, with Wimbledon coming up on a surface. I would expect him to do a lot, be doing a lot better on. Um, and then Yannick Sinner as well. He was the second seed, lost to, to Rusevori in the, in the quarterfinals. So, again, I just wonder, Kim, top players not doing great. Medvedev, Sinner... Sissipas in, in Stuttgart. You've got players who you would typically think do well on, on grass, like Berrettini who, and Nick Kyrgios, who are you know, coming back from injury. They're not at the peak of their powers at the moment. It's going to be, it just feels very, very open. And as a result, we're getting these sorts of finals where Jordan Thompson, who I saw in, in Surbiton Challenger, Challenger event a few weeks ago, in an ATP 250 final. Yeah, Jordan Thompson doing well. He's he's one of those sort of wily Australians, I think, mm. just tends to get everywhere when it comes to the grass court seasons. Um, he's sort of popping up all over the place. Also, the return of Milos uh, Raonic, uh, former Wimbledon finalist. So uh, he took out Kekmanovic in the first round. So interesting come Wimbledon mm. to see, you know, if he's obviously going to be unseeded. Wouldn't want him in the first round no, if, if I was absolutely anyone. absolutely not. Absolutely not. Chris put that on our social media earlier in the week and I was thinking the exact same thing. And I think there's going to be a few very dangerous unseeded players in that draw. And you probably put Milos Ranić if he can stay fit, at the top of that list. Having been in a Wimbledon men's final before, those big serves coming at you, him rushing to the net, that is not a proposition you want very early on if you're one of the top seeds and you're going into it out of form. Yeah, precisely. And let's look at the women's side because it was a, a mixed event uh, out in Herdogenbosch. So we did have uh, a ladies event as well. And we actually had the same woman defeat, uh, defending her title uh, as from last year, Katerina Alexandrova. She's made it two in a row in the Netherlands. She came uh, across Veronica Kudometova in the final, winning in three sets in a last set tiebreak. So the top seeds generally on the women's side doing a lot better in, in Holland um, with, yeah, Kudometova was the, the top seed, Alexandrova the fourth seed. Uh, yeah, what did you make of, of Alexandrova manning, managing to actually defend and, and retain her title? Well, something doesn't happen very often on the WTA tour, does it? No, it's, it's been quite interesting actually this year because there's been more title defences this year than I think since since 2018. There's already, I think, been four. There's still lots lots of time left in, in the tour. And yeah, to see this happen for Alexandra, really, really happy for her. It was, a, I think it was a fantastic final, actually. Really, really long. I think it was the longest WTA final um, this season, which I was kind of surprised on, on grass, but... Yeah, I think from Alexandrova's perspective, the fact that she came in as the champion, knew there was that pressure there in terms of the you know ranking points and just sort of coming through and getting it done. I thought that was very impressive from her. And then to come up against someone like Kudometova in the on the other side of the draw, I was reading apparently they do they're not the best of friends, even though they're both Russian. That would have felt, I think, very good probably to to get one over your your compatriot. Yeah, Ooh, maybe there's a bit of a uh, bad blood between them. I didn't know that. <laughs> but I do think they <laughs> were. Course. I do. I do think they were, though, the best. 
they were the best players in the draw. They both yeah. didn't drop a set yeah. getting to the final. And again, Alexandra, I think, is going to be you know, quite a... She could be quite a formidable player, I think, coming, you know, Wimbledon. I've, I was surprised. I don't think she's gone beyond round three of a Grand Slam. And I think, you know, the way she's playing, who knows? The opportunity is certainly there, I think, come come Wimbledon for her to go, to go further. Maybe even, maybe even push into the second week. Yeah, they were both worthy finalists, weren't they, um, in mm. this event? And unfortunately, we did see some of the top other top seeds like Azarenka and Andrescu kind of lose early. But it was yeah, I think we had some we had some good matches um, throughout the week. And Venus Williams was was there yeah. um, as a wild card. She lost in the first round to Celine. Serena Naif. Williams was there. Serena was there as well. Yes, yeah, she's so in the it crowds. was nice to to see the Williamses. And and Venus Williams has actually just won at Birmingham uh, over Georgie, one of your favourites, Joel. So <laughs> she's uh, <laughs> she's getting maybe maybe well, it's obviously an improvement. She's on just saving her herself, the wasn't she? Open. Saving herself for, for the grass courts of the UK. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that win today against Camilla Georgie was was fantastic because that was a real three set thriller that really kind of pushed her mm. and to think that was just her second match on this on this comeback and to think you know where she was losing to a swiss swiss wild card in in you know in Sotogenbosch that i don't really know much about to then going beating camilla georgie who you would say georgie is a pretty handy grass court player that's a champion's i think performance and it just shows i think to me that that class is permanent and then we should be savoring these 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 moments and this this time that we still have i think with with venus williams you know on on the court because she's such a she's such a game competitor and to think that she has been able to put these performances in year in year out over the last 20 25 plus years it is really really incredible i think the more you think about it yeah, she's always been one of my favourite players to watch on a grass court and it was nice to see her in action today and getting that win. Um, and one player as well, uh, before we go to an ad break, we do have another tournament from last week, Stuttgart to, to round up on. One player who I also very much enjoy watching and is now into the top 10 for the first time is Francis Tiafo, And that's as a result of winning the title in Stuttgart. It was a, a very tight final. He mm. had to save a championship point to win it. Uh, it was a last set tie break against Jan Leonard Struff. So yeah, a lot of last set tie breaks going on um, recently. And uh, yes, TFO winning the title into the top 10 for the first time. What did you make of his, uh, well, his performance across the week, but especially that final, Joel? Very dramatic stuff at the end. Yeah, he seems to have, I think, have developed a knack of, of playing clutch tennis. You know, this was a match that was, you know, had opportunities few and far between Struff didn't have his serve broken the whole match. I think he'll be wondering how I didn't win that with the home German crowd behind me. But Tiafo, I think over the last 12 months, certainly I think since that, that US Open performance, he has come up another level. And I think he's added a mental edge to his game that I just don't think was there that that, that is now in terms of that confidence and that belief that he has that I can get this done. And I think it certainly helps that his game, I think, is very well suited to just any sort of tennis court. His his brand of tennis, it can work on a grass court, it can work on a clay court, it can work on a hard court. And I'm I'm really happy for him because he's now won a tournament on all different court surfaces. Shows how you know how versatile he is. And I think it's just rewards him being in the top ten for the first time. 
Yeah, exactly. And you know, Joel, the last time we had two Americans Ooh, in the top ten. You're testing me. Hang on. I'm <laughs> testing oh, you. Yeah, in the should second it be half. the other way around? <laughs> no. Um, I knew you were gonna so ask the, me. I don't actually question? know. What was the, the last question? two American men in the top ten before the current top two of Francis TFO and Taylor Fritz, who we've got at the moment? Ooh. I've got a one of them's surely got to be John Isner. I'm trying to think who would it have been with. Andy Roddick? I was going to say Sam Querrey, but I don't know if Ooh. Sam Querrey ever got... Did Sam Querrey never got to the top 10, did he? He got to a Wimbledon semi-final, but not the top yeah, 10, maybe. but not top 10. Hmm. Who is it? It's actually John Isner and Marty Fish. Oh, okay. Marty Fish, I know. Marty I Fish, have said wow. him, but um, Marty Fish, top 10. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and obviously there was James Blake as well, who was actually the last mm. African-American man in, inside the top 10 in 2009. So wow. it's nice for the Americans because they do have a lot of young up and coming, you know, top, well, top players. And it's nice that obviously the rankings are now reflecting that. Ben Shelton as well. He's obviously one to watch. So, yeah, it's fantastic for TFO. He's now also won a title on all three surfaces. So he's a good all-rounder, um, can tick the grass courts off. Um, and Struff, you know, I'm surprised he's never actually won a, a ATP title. He was trying to go for his his first um, first title on the tour. And, and that surprised me that he'd never actually managed to get one because he does seem to be one of those players that does kind of get there or thereabouts occasionally. He has a nice week, doesn't he? But maybe- Especially with the, the serve the serve that he has yeah and the the power that i think he possesses from from the back of the court i think he hit 56 winners in that final against tfa i genuinely must he genuinely must afterwards must have been looking at himself in the locker room thinking how did i hit 56 winners and, mm. and come out of that match um as as the loser and um yeah but he is again going to be another very dangerous entity i think um for anyone who, who faces him certainly i think in in the earlier rounds when it comes to wimbledon just because of, of just how how big his game is and when he is on it it is um you know it is hard i think to cont- to contain so um i think tiafo did that really really well and and when it came to those moments those clutch moments i think tiafo was the one who was who had the confidence to go after it yeah and one player who's not kind of full of confidence at the moment and sadly because of you know his body not um not able to do what he wants to do that's Matteo Berrettini he he lost comfortably to Sonigo in Stuttgart and he's pulled out of Queens uh with an abdominal injury which is a real shame because he's the, you know he's won Queens the last two years he would have been going for a third title in a row and whether he'll be at Wimbledon we don't know but it's not looking good he didn't have a great great time he in had, Stuttgart there were tears there were tears him him walking off the court which mm. you, you never want to see and he will full well know that this is his home turf you know again he's got such a big game that can cover the the weaknesses in his game like the, like the backhand the fact that you know there, if there is one court surface where you can have a hammer serve and a big forehand and it can take you places you would say it's the grass courts and it's just i think a bit sad that you know he's not been able to from what it looked like against sonigo not got himself into a position that um you know he would have been liked liked to in terms of his conditioning so yeah, we'll have to see, but yeah, it's a bit disappointing not to see him at Queens because he's such a he's such a nice guy, such a nice character on the court. Yeah, would have would have been great to see him, and uh, perhaps another player who maybe is a little bit more divisive, but Nick Kyrgios in in a very similar position has been injured, been on the on the shelf for a while. Tried to come back in in Stuttgart, 
lost in in the opening round as well in in straight sets. So again, another player just not in the position that they would have wanted to be in. And if I'm being honest, some of those, both those performances, the fact that they've both pulled out of of Queens and Haller, it makes me wonder if they are they have rushed back because they know how important the grass court season is to them. That's yeah, an excellent point. It's big to their season, their ranking points, the gains they can they can make, and they've got a mm. lot of points to defend um, as well. You know, well, actually, Kyrgios wouldn't have points to defend because there were no points last year at Wimbledon. But um, he obviously loves the grass, and wants to do well. But yeah. yeah, maybe it was a bit too too soon. Well, so we'll see how they they get on if they're going to be you know back for Wimbledon. Um, let's take a very quick break now. We will be back in the second half, so do join us then. We'll be discussing Feliciano Lopez becoming the tournament director. Director for the Davis Cup Finals, the emergence of Sitsi Dossa on tour. <laughs> That's a, a mouthful. I've been uh, waiting for that forever, Kim. <laughs> it happened over the French Open. Yes, very exciting times. And we'll look ahead also to this week's action, including Queens, Halle, and Berlin. So do not go anywhere. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome back to the Tennis Weekly Podcast, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. Now we're going to move on to a little par for the courts, uh, which, Joel, you've got for me today. Haven't done one of these in a couple of weeks. Mm, the return. Yeah, the return of par for the courts. Very exciting. Now we're back to our regular week-on-week, um, you know, catch-up shows. So, Joel, what have you got for me and the listeners today? So I've got a... Uh, solo edition par for the courts for you um, I'm I'm almost picturing this like this is good prep for next week or whenever Chris returns this is gonna this is your prep I think to take him down because I feel like he's still like the the final boss of, of par for the courts yes I think I've actually got a chance um, today <laughs> <laughs> well okay are you ready are you ready for your topic yes let's do it okay so I, I got this off uh, off social media, um, and this is from last week. So I would like you to tell me players who are aged 30 and above in the current top 50 of the men's rankings. And there are eight Ooh. in total. Okay. So eight, eight players who are 30 and above in the top 50 ATP rankings. And I am going to set the par score for you at, there's eight, 
oh, do I say 50%? Am I being nice? Am I being nice to our listeners? I'm going to say four out of eight. I'm looking for 50%. Okay. I think I could do that. I'm just... I. I there's some 50. gimme answers, I feel, but there's yeah. some tough answers as well. And there's some probably some players you're thinking, is that person over 30? Yeah, I've got to work out what 30 would be, <laughs> like 1993 or 92, depending on when their birthday is. So, okay. Let's give okay. let's give it a are go. You, are you are you yes. ready? Are you ready? I am okay. indeed. Right. So I'm looking for aged thirty plus ATP players currently in the top fifty. Who is your first answer? So I'm going to go for like the banker answers <laughs> to start with. And the first one will be Novak Djokovic. Correct. Yes. Novak Djokovic, to no one's surprise, uh yes, is on the list. So I would, Joel, this this pains me because I would sort of say at this point it should be Rafa, but given the fact he's just dropped mm. a load of points, he's no longer in the top 50. I thought that was going to be a trap. I had ah. laid a trap for you and I thought you were going to take the bait, but yes, very good. Rafa's not on the list. Well, initially I was just going to say it and then I thought, well, hang on a minute. We've just <laughs> Instinctively, had the French Open. pure instinctives. It's dropped 2,000 Instinctively, points. yeah. Exactly. Um, but one player that I know the current ranking because it's been all over the news, Andy Murray, he's back in the top 50. Correct. Yes. Andy Murray is also on the list. So Novak Djokovic and Andy Murray. They are the two oldest and they are both correct answers. Answers. And then, okay, this player I believe is in the top 50. In fact, I think he's definitely in like the top 30. Um, and that is Grigor Dimitrov. Because I think he's like my year of birth, so he would be over 30. Grigor Dimitrov is a correct answer. Yes. So that is three. He is in the top 30 and he is aged 32. So you've got three correct answers. You only need to give me one more to reach par for the courts for this week. But I think it's, I think it's, quite, it's quite challenging. It is hard. I'm, I'm just trying to think. And uh, this player, I was um, actually looking at him last week because he had a big result, and I thought, hmm. Um, and we've mentioned him a few times because of this whole French number one thing. <laughs> and um, I think, and I think he must be over 30 because I think he, I thought he was a lot older than he actually is. But anyway, that's another story. Um, and I think he might just be in the top 50. Adrian Manorino. Adrian Manorino <laughs> is an incorrect answer, oh, no! Kim. It's not on the list. <laughs> you have not made oh. par for the courts this week. Okay. He's not oh, on the list. Yeah. Let me think. Who else would I say? Because a lot of the older generation, they're mm. sort of probably not in the top 50. John Isner? No, he's not in the top 50, is he? Nope. Um, I oh. mean, now that, now, that, now that you're out, would you care for the nationalities? Marin of... Cilic? No. Nope. Um, yeah, go for it. I'll, I'll take nationalities. So in terms of nationalities, the other players left are two Spanish players, a British player, a German player, and a Serbian player. Oh, okay. Um, mm, oh, well, the British guy must be Dan Evans because he, yes, he's older good. than like Norrie. Yeah, and he's in the top 50. Forgot about him. Um, Roberto Bautista Goot, he must be the second 
Indeed, RBA, 35 years old, also in the top 50. Uh, oh, Pablo Carreno Bista. He must yes, be. That was the other Spanish player, yes. So there was um, a German and a Serbian left. Serbian, German. Oh, I suppose it would it be Struth. Yes, Jan Leonard Struth. Despite, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, still a very, very handy player. I really wish he gets a tour title before he uh, hangs up his racket. Um, yeah. But yeah, Struth is on the list. He doesn't want to be a Benito and not win a title. Mm. A uh, Serbian player, Kekmanovic. Is he 30? Laszlo Jair. <laughs> uh, I will say... I'm going to have to hurry I'm you. I'm sure it's, he's retired. Uh, Laszlo Jair. It's Dusan Lajevic. Oh, so Dusan Lajevic. There you go. Those are your eight players. Djokovic, Murray, RBA, Dan Evans, Jan Leonard Struth. Grigor Dimitrov, Dusan Lajevic, and PCB Pablo Carreño Buster. Oh, that was quite tough, actually. I think, given that Rafa's no longer in the top fifty, it's that was yeah. yeah I didn't. I didn't, was, definitely I, didn't get the par. <laughs> I I was gonna. I was sort of flirting with giving you one life, but I I wanted to make it a challenge. So uh, yeah, listeners, let us know mm. how you did. Were you able to to better Kim's three? Were you able to reach par for the courts? Let us know. I'm sure many of them were, but uh, yeah, thank, thanks, Joel, for that. <laughs> Let's look at what's in the mailbag uh, this week. Been a while since we've had a mailbag um, to, to read out. So we've got a lovely one from Jacob. Thanks for getting in contact. Uh, he said, hello, Tennis, Week- Tennis Weekly. A lot has been made of the night sessions at the French Open uh, with some journalists on social media calling it the worst ticket in tennis. I would like to know what you think is the best ticket in tennis. That's an excellent question. Uh, Joel, what do you think is the best ticket in tennis? Um, I think it is Wimbledon qualifying. Um, I'm going there uh, next next Monday, but uh, I think it's a lovely, lovely event. You get to see some really high quality tennis. Um, it's very relaxed and, and casual. Not many people know about it because it's not at Wimbledon. It's sort of a stone's throw away from the the Wimbledon setup, and uh, it's just a lovely event that I just don't think that many people know about. And to go down and watch tennis like it's in your park, really, it's got a really unique setup and a really unique, I think, atmosphere to it that you know for me is is quite different actually to a lot of the other grass court events you see on the on the telly. Yeah, it's a great shout. It's a hidden gem, isn't it? Mm. Um, you used to be able to just rock up, but I think you do have to pay in, in advance yeah. now. Um, it's like a tenner. I think it goes towards the foundation. I'm, al- I'm almost like, why did I just say that? It is a hidden gem. It is a hidden gem. I shouldn't have said it and out loud, Kim. Everyone's going to know Everyone knows. Everyone's going to go. Everyone's going to rush to it. <laughs> oh, we're revealing our secrets. Um, but yeah, no, I agree with you. What about you? Well, I was considering this and I think it depends what you want to get out of a trip to the tennis. Like, Do you want to be able to do something in the evening afterwards? Are you making a weekend of it? You know, so there's different factors. So I I like Eastbourne a lot because I think it's very relaxing. It's quite genteel, kind of English, uh, sort of typical English like seaside resort. And you could make a nice like few days out of it, B&B, fish and chips, you know, very traditional. But the actual ticket allows you... I think really good access. It's one of those like very casual tournaments. You can just walk around and you'll bump into players, you know, all over the place. So that's one of my faves. Monte Carlo is kind of like, I would say the glam version of that. Um, And I think in terms of views from a tennis court, you've got the mountains and the Mediterranean Sea, and I don't think that can be bettered. Uh, But I'm also a big fan of the Rafa Nadal Challenger. 
So if you want something, I think it's free actually. Uh, if you're in Mallorca for your summer holiday, make your way out to Manacor, uh, and uh, you know, take a seat, take a pew at the the centre court at Rafa's Academy. Mm. Uh, I think it's around September. But uh, Andy Murray played it one year. Yeah, I was so just thinking that. I think he did, big didn't names. He? Yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised because he's he was all about challenges now, isn't he? <laughs> well, exactly. It all started at the Rafa Nadal one, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> His love for challenges um, started yeah. there. <laughs> Great question. I'm a big fan of combining like tournaments with like a little holiday. So I think if you want to like think about where do you want to see in the world? Like, do you want to mm. go to Rome and see all the sites there? Why don't you go when when Rome is on? Like, make it a, a combination. Yeah. Um, visit but yeah great question jacob thanks ever so much for getting in contact and remember listeners that you can always reach out to us on our social channels with your questions and we'll do our best to answer them so thank you very much in advance and yeah let's have a look back now over the last couple of weeks we've been saving some of this for uh this first catch-up post french open major talking point on the tour and that is that we have a new power couple in tennis it's been lots of uh, stuff being shared on social media uh this is stefano sitsipas and paula bedossa uh, they are now apparently dating um, and they actually now have their own instagram account which is very a la like gems life um so they're not hiding away from this are they joel they're embracing it. I think it's f- fantastic for tennis. I think they're both very outgoing personalities. We've seen Sissipas all over kind of social media. So yeah, it's very interesting, I think, to see how this goes and how this plays out on the tour. I'd love to see them in in combined events. Will they play mixed doubles um, together? I'd love, I'd love to see that. But um, yeah, we do obviously get power couples or couples in in tennis so we'll have to see how this develops but yeah gems life it's got uh it's got competition on their hands i know and i mean i thought i i remember she was um dating some spanish model and i mm. thought they were all you know happy and then i suddenly get this news that she's with sitsabas so um all chop and change um but very exciting to have a new sort of power couple um, obviously we've had the likes of uh Maritini and um Tom Janovic. Tom Janovic. So yeah, we will see. Maybe they're gonna be featured as a couple on the next series of, of Breakpoint, I, I would imagine. Maybe that's why they yeah, this. they've been setting up for for that maybe. They've been getting a Netflix getting a Netflix contract signed. Well, maybe so. I think they are making another series. And actually, the next five episodes come out on Wednesday mm. of the current series. So very exciting <laughs> waiting um, to tune into that on, on Netflix. Um, also in the news this week, though, we've had Emma Raducanu. She did a interview with the Sunday Times. Uh, and I thought there were some really interesting pieces that that came out of, of this interview. Um, I think revealing how, how much pressure and scrutiny that you know she's felt since winning the US Open. And her experience of kind of, she describes, you know, there were a lot of sharks out there, like, you know, they, mm. that people see her as as a way to make money. And it shows that she's very self-aware of, of all of that, uh, people not necessarily acting with the best of intentions. Um, and she's sharing some, some nice um, stories as well. I just love the fact that she came out very candidly and said, the king asked me, so have you found a coach? Which I thought was such a must be such a bizarre situation to find yourself in, <laughs> but I love how the royal family are now totally invested in in Emma Raducanu and and what feels like the biggest question on everyone's lips. And yeah, it's nice to see King Charles getting involved. I know, yeah, he's obviously 
clued up on his tennis. He knows that <laughs> she's been having a bit of a coaching roulette. So <laughs> don't know if that helps uh, her feel any more relaxed though, having the King of England. <laughs> no, like, uh, you oh know, my God, asking. the royal family are after me now. I need to, I need to get this sorted. Maybe he can help. Maybe he's got some like royal tennis coach that, um, you know, he's used in the past. Who knows? But yeah, I thought it was a nice interview. And, um, mm. you know, it's it quite revealing as well, wasn't content. it? Yeah. She said she wants to go and live in China for a bit. You know, she's part Chinese. She feels at home there, she said. And, um, you know, how she's kind of quite good friends with a lot of the other Romanian players on tour. Obviously, she's also part Romanian. So she's kind of um, revealing, you know, kind of more about herself. And I thought, yeah, it was a nice, really nice interview. And I think... Um, she's obviously maybe using this time to hopefully like regroup and you know reflect on everything and I think hopefully she'll come back all the stronger for it so yeah I love that bit about the the, the king though <laughs> I thought that was that was um, an interesting point um, and then yeah Joel also quite seems to be quite a lot of points of, of news this week but um, I guess the other bit we wanted to kind of talk through today was Feliciano Lopez being made the new director of the Davis Cup um, which I think has been quite a controversial decision based on the reaction on social media. Um, what's your opinion on this? Because there was obviously a lot of hoo-ha about him being the tournament director in Madrid where there was a bit of controversy. So what do you make of this announcement? A bit of controversy. I think there was there was more than <laughs> than just a bit. Um, it, it, yeah, this to me is... Gate. Cake gate, yes. I mean, there's always been scheduling issues, I think, also that's plagued the Madrid Open also this year. So uh, yeah, there's, there was, it wasn't, I think the most well-run event and he was tournament director there. So for then him to get appointed Davis Cup finals tournament director, I'm not going to like him. It just feels like they've, they're strapping a rocket to him in terms of like ad, admin roles, but has he really kind of learnt on the job and is he really ready for something that's even bigger in terms of the, the Davis Cup finals when, you know, whole countries are involved. It's a team competition. There's a lot more tennis going on at any one time. So all these nations coming together. It's going to be another baptism of fire. And I don't think he covered himself in glory the last time he was put in that environment with the Madrid Open this year. Yeah, it always feels like they're rewarding failure because there was a lot of scandal coming out of Madrid. Yeah. And I guess he'll just be hoping that he doesn't go anywhere near cakes for the Davis Cup. Uh, he steers clear of anything like that. They, you know, I would no go models, nowhere near social as media girl. as well. I would hope there was some <laughs> yeah. sort of yeah. the stipulations in his contract of, yes, this can happen, but uh, you cannot deliver any cakes. You cannot deliver any <laughs> uh, apologies on, on social media. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I I would be nerv- I personally would be nervous about this, given you know, what we've seen already. But hey, you know, sometimes I feel like these decisions are made regardless of 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 performance and maybe this was this was earmarked before the Madrid Open happened. I I probably would think that was that was the case, but um yeah, it's definitely something that's I think raised an eyebrow or two in the in the tennis fandom community. Yeah, we'll hope he's learned from his mistakes and you know, before we like maybe judge him, you know, he, he could be a fantastic director yeah. for the Davis Cup final. So we'll give him a second chance and see how that all goes. Uh but yeah, certainly if we were to see more of, of what happened at Madrid, that that's there's got to be some kind of uh removal, you know, he can't kind of keep going mm. on and doing the same. So that's not gonna go down well if if that was the case. So we'll see how that pans out. Uh, let's take a look at the action this week on the ATP and WTA tours. So this week on tour, we've got lots of 
events happening. Uh, for the men, we've got Queens and Haller, which are both 500s. And on the women's side, we've got uh, 500 in Berlin and a 250 in Birmingham on the grass courts. So as we said, Andy Murray is in action at Queen's um, tomorrow, the Cinch Championships against Alex de Menor. So that'll be really big test to see how his challenger form translates. And obviously Berrettini out injured, um, which is, you know, obviously quite sad that he's not even going to get the chance to defend his title. Um, we've got Carlos Alcaraz as well, um, fresh off the back of a holiday in Ibiza, I think he took. So that'll be an interesting uh, one to see how he you know, performs initially on grass. I think Holger Rune is in action tomorrow as well. Uh, so Queens, yeah, got a decent lineup. Francis TFO as well, now in the top 10, he's playing it. I'm, I'm curious to see how the, the top seeds do, given the, well, the, the, the players in the top 10 do, given they've not had great time on the grass so far. Carlos Alcaraz as well, there's certainly still room for improvement there. And um, yeah, I think he's got, uh, you know, He's got potentially quite a tricky draw in front of him. So I'm I'm curious to see how that goes. And yeah, for Andy Murray, I think for me, this is where this is where the test starts. And uh, yeah, Dumanor is going to be no slouch, um, I think, on the, on the court. And uh, yeah, I'm just hoping he's like not too knackered from all, all these matches that he's played because it could catch up with him at, at some point. And um, I get that he needs the ranking points to hopefully, you know, get a seeding. But um, yeah, he's played a lot of tennis recently and it's and it's continuing and it's going to get even more stressful at this very top level. So, um, yeah, hopefully he can uh, he can come through and yeah, really push, I think, for that seeding come Wimbledon. Yeah, let's let's keep our fingers crossed that it all will be worth it mm. um, in the end. Uh, we've got Haller, which is uh, headlined by Daniel Medvedev. He'll be hoping for a better week than uh, last week where he lost to Manorino. Uh, Sitsipas is there as well. Got a first round between Sasha Zverev and Dominic Team, which is uh, obviously I would say that the pick of the the draw um, mm. immediately that that springs to mind. Um, yeah, where's your where's your eye on in in Haller? Obviously. This tournament typically was Roger Federer's backyard, wasn't it? Mm. Um, in terms of titles won and and performances, but um, yeah, who do you think is going to come out uh, doing well here? Oh, it's yeah, it's oh, it's tough, isn't it? Um, I'm I'm curious to see, yeah, how. Well, I'm just curious again to see how Medvedev and and Sissipas get on, given their struggles. Um, you know, last week they actually both won today. Sissipas came through a final set tiebreak against Gregoire Barrere, so I still think that's a real, that's real struggles,ville. So I'm I'm just gonna have to take one match at a time. I think with with some of these um, you know these these top players, and there could be again opportunities for a, a surprise champion. Do you remember when we had what was it Hugo Umber? I think do so well here a few a few years ago. Maybe we have another surprise champion in store. Yeah, maybe so. Talon Griegsport is there. Maybe he can do mm. do well in Haller as well. And for the women, we've got Berlin, which is a 500, uh, and Birmingham is a 250. Um, Berlin, top seed Sabalenka, she's back in action, and Rabakina as a second seed. This is quite a loaded draw. We've got, you know, mm. on Jabor, Caroline Garcia, Kvitova Sakari. Really tough field this is. Garcia, um, Sabine Lezicki, Kim. Sabine Lezicki always ooh. loves to come out in the grass court season, doesn't she? <laughs> well she is a former Wimbledon finalist Joel so wow. if there's ever a time for her to shine now is the time uh, Andrescu von Drusen for first round I mean it's just not mm. easy is it no. for any of them uh, when you've got lineups like that 
And then Birmingham, Kuchikova is the top seed. Uh, Ostapenko, the second seed. Be interesting to see if any of the Brits can kind of keep their form up. See Katie Balter, Jodie Burridge, um, etc. You know, can they transfer their Nottingham uh, yeah. success across to another tournament? We, we hope they can. Yeah, I don't see why not. They'll all be full of confidence at the moment. And um, I think, yeah, there's there's definitely opportunities, you know, there to be made. And um, yeah, I don't think, you know, the draw is a, is a 250. It's not obviously as loaded as, as Berlin. So yeah, I think there's a real, again, a real opportunity for, for Brits to go deep. And I'm curious to now to see how far Venus Williams can go now that she's come through uh, Camilla Georgie as well. Yeah, exactly. Great win for her. Uh, she could play Ostapenko in the mm. second round, so Man, that will be Venus um, Williams, <laughs> Yelena Ostapenko. One. That will be uh, that will be wild. I think if that that matchup happens. <laughs> Yeah, so much going on and Breakpoint coming out again on Wednesday as well. So uh, once the tennis is finished for the day, you can tune into that. <laughs> so it's tennis 24-7 <laughs> at the moment. Uh, we live, sleep, breathe and eat tennis. I know. <laughs> uh, but we'll be back next week to round up uh, all of these tournaments uh, from the WTA and ATP tours. So uh, yeah, we we look forward to, uh, to catching up then on the next week of shenanigans, Joel, on the tour. <laughs> Listeners, I hope you've enjoyed our latest episode of the Tennis Weekly podcast. Remember to subscribe to us to stay up to date on all the action to come from the ATP and WTA tours. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all major podcasting platforms out there. And if you like what you're hearing, then make sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also follow us on social media or email the show. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok and YouTube at Tennis Weekly Pod. Or you can email us on tennisweeklypod at gmail.com. And do check out our website as well, tennisweekly.co.uk. And we will be back next Monday at Tennis Weekly HQ for another talk catch up. So I hope you can join us for that. But in the meantime, it's goodbye from Kim. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. We'll see you again soon.